0: Welcome to the Revisionist History Podcast, where we set the historical record straight, no matter who it might offend. I'm Paul, and let me just say at the outset, I'm not talking about history today, unless we're talking about history repeating itself. This isn't an episode that I really wanted to do, and I'm not 100% sure how to do it, but it's one that I have to do before I can move on to anything else. Eight months after I was born in Texas in January of 1966, Charles Whitman killed 16 people, most while firing a rifle from the observation deck of the University of Texas tower. This is widely considered the first mass shooting in US history. Two days ago, 56 years later, another gunman murdered 21 innocent people at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. 19 of those killed were children. Children. In between those two horrific crimes are a litany of similar events in the Lone Star State. A Luby's restaurant in Colleen in 1991, where 24 were killed. Fort Hood in 2009, where 14 died. First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs in 2017, where 27 died. Santa Fe High School in 2018, where 10 died. And a Walmart in El Paso in 2019, where 23 were killed. Those are just the instances where 10 or more people were killed. There are 12 more where at least three people were killed. All happened after 1980 and the frequency of such attacks has only increased over time. In just the past five years, 102 people have lost their lives as a result of mass shootings in Texas alone. The response to this most recent tragedy has been the same as it was to all the others. One side offering thoughts and prayers while firmly resisting any meaningful gun control legislation, and the other side calling for sweeping gun control measures while often mocking the prayers of the first side. As for me, I believe in both. And for those who seem to place more faith in the National Rifle Association than the Bible that their thoughts and prayers come from, I have a word for you from the word. There's a passage in the book of James that applies here and even though it's mainly dealing with the issue of faith, you'll quickly see how it fits. It says, quote, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? End quote. Offering thoughts and prayers is important, but without action to accompany them, they're simply empty words. If you need another example, when Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and enemies were threatening the people, they prayed and posted a guard. Prayer and action. But what action? Well, I've got a few, few thoughts on that. In Texas, we should reverse the insane no-background-check, no-license, open-carry law that passed last year, much to the delight of Governor Greg Abbott who immediately after the tragedy in Uvalde offered thoughts and prayers for a tragedy he helped to create. If I have to have training and a license to drive a car, I should at minimum have the same responsibility if I want to own a gun. Then how about some common sense legislation regarding assault type rifles with high capacity magazines? No one outside of the military needs them. In case you didn't know this, even the military uses common sense gun control measures. Whenever we were not in the field or on the firing range, all of those weapons were locked up in an armory, with the ammunition secured in a totally separate location. If that's the protocol for the best trained military in the world, why do people with virtually no training and no need for those weapons have unfettered access to them? And do not quote the Second Amendment to me unless you are willing to quote the entire thing. Quote, a well-regulated militia, being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed." How many of those mass shooters were part of a well-regulated militia? A militia that was only necessary at the time the Constitution was written because the new nation's standing army was roughly 800 men? Certainly not the 18-year-old who committed the crime in Uvalde. For you strict constitutionalists who love to say, the framers originally meant such-and-such, and and the Constitution is not a living, evolving, evolving document. The issue of gun control is actually simple. You can have exactly the arms the framers were talking about. After enlisting in the military to receive proper training, you can have a single-shot, muzzle-loading, black powder musket. It'd actually work fine for home defense, but you couldn't shoot up a school with it very easily. One of the rallying cries of the far too powerful gun lobby is that if we give up the 400 million guns and trillions of rounds of ammunition in private hands in this country, the government will have the power to enslave us. To that I say two things. First, I haven't noticed our friends in Australia, New Zealand, the UK, France, Spain, Portugal, Italy, Sweden, and dozens of other countries with sensible gun control laws living in chains. Second, if you're so worried about some despot taking control, maybe you'll think a little harder before you pull the lever in that voting booth. We get the leaders we choose, and usually the ones we deserve. One final thing about the thoughts and prayers that inevitably follow these tragedies. I've lost both friends and family members to gun violence during my life, and I believe the prayers of people I knew certainly helped me navigate the aftermath. What they did not do was put the person I lost back in that empty chair at the table, or prevent countless more chairs from being made empty, and they'll never replace the 19 children and two adults we lost two days ago. Only real action will prevent this endless cycle From repeating itself again tomorrow. That's my episode, and I appreciate you listening.